Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside.fm allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to episode number four of the Talking Blues podcast. We're an American Chelsea FC podcast. Um, I'm joined today by my two co-hosts, Josh and Peter. How are you guys doing today? I'm um, good. I'm doing well. Uh, we played an interesting game against Brighton, obviously winning 3-1. Brighton's not the best team. We saw some positive, we saw some negatives, and we'll be able to go through that today. One thing that I did want to just mention from last episode is that uh, we mentioned, I think all three of us mentioned Kovacic in our projected starting lineups. He was suspended from the game, so uh, we apologize for that. Um, we did not know, obviously, before recording that he was suspended, so we all have him and had him in our lineup. Uh, just wanted to say that. Peter, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, much like you. Interesting game. Pretty much said it perfectly. There are some positives. There are some negatives. And I just want to start on the biggest thing that I've taken away is that how fast are we going to complete the deal for Edward Mendy? I cannot deal with Keppa anymore. No matter what, I don't care. Just I need someone else there. I need someone else there. What I found very interesting about this game, we were discussing last episode whether we're going to be seeing Caballero or Keppa be starting this game. Um, And Frank Lampard decided to go with Keppa. And I really thought this was his last chance, in my opinion. His last chance to prove that he can still be Chelsea's number one goalkeeper. And I think he did not meet those expectations. We saw multiple moments, obviously not just the goal that he definitely could have done better on, um, but coming out for one of the corner kicks, he came out and just totally missed the ball, which is you know showing a lack of confidence from him. The defense does not seem to trust him. And overall, I think it's really good. And hopefully Edward Mendy will be arriving soon. Um, speaking of Edward Mendy, uh, there's rumors that uh, – Ren want Tomori as a part of the deal, um, either on loan or to buy him. So that will also be interesting if that's going to be involved. I would like to see him maybe going out on loan in that exchange would actually be quite good for him. So I want to go through the lineups first because that was kind of interesting. I went through it with Peter a little bit, um, you know, before the game started when they came out. So we have Alonzo at left back, Zuman Christensen. Uh, not Rudiger at the center backs. We have a Riz, uh, Kepa Rizblaga starting. I had Willie Caballero in the projection. Thought it would be a little different, a little out there, but he did not start. Reese James at right back. 
Um, Conte and Jorginho, because of the Kovacic suspend, uh, suspension in the midfield, um, as well as uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, which was okay, interesting. Um, then we had Timo Werner, obviously, at the striker position. Uh, Mason Mount on the left, and I think Havertz was on the right. Um, and, and it was a 4-3-3. Uh, just some standouts from that. Ruben Loftus-Cheek did not look like he knew what he was doing uh, out on the pitch. He really didn't. And we really didn't see much from Havertz. And I, and I saw Chelsea fans on Twitter kind of going a little little crazy about it, a little upset because, you know, the big deal for Havertz um, meant, like, not a big deal meaning he's on the pitch, but big deal, like, biggest contract for Chelsea. And, you know, he didn't really perform in the first game, Alex. Yeah, um, I saw Chelsea fans freaking out. I see a whole bunch of other fans clowning us from other teams on Twitter. Um, I think you've got to calm down. He was playing out of position, number one. He was playing out on the right wing. Um, I think he's better in the central midfield. I think he's actually where Ruben was playing up kind of right behind Werner, um, up top maybe in a more advanced role in the center. I think that's where Havertz would truly uh, play at his best. I think he just seemed a little out of place there on the right-hand side. Everyone's making fun of him because of that pass that he just kind of kicked to the referee. Obviously, that was a mistake. I think, you know, he needs time to adjust. I think we need to be patient with him. And I think um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek did not look even fit. Um, Could be because of preseason, but overall, he just looked like he was not um, ready to be playing. And, you know, I... Did not like what I saw from him. There was that break with Werner uh, co- passing it to Loftus-Cheek, Loftus-Cheek going up the field, and uh, not being able to place that pass back to Werner properly. Um, that could just be communication errors there. You know, obviously they haven't played together for too long, but I did not like what I saw from him. Um, Timo Werner, I really liked what I saw um, going through that lineup. Didn't score a goal, but on that penalty kick that he won, his alertness, his quickness to be able to get to the ball right when Jorginho um, passed it to him. Overall, I really liked what I saw from him. Mason Mount had a good game. And Golo Kante, I was very happy to see him. He looks like he's coming back to form, um, you know, and obviously playing a more deeper role now with all these attacking additions. And Jorginho actually did not have a bad game either with that penalty kick, and he had an assist as well. So I liked what I saw there. And I guess, what do you guys think before we move on to the defense? I mean, I just want to piggyback off what you said about uh, Loftus-Cheek. He, he, I, he just, he didn't, you pretty much said it. He just didn't look fit. He didn't look, he didn't play well. He, he just, looked, he looked kind of lost. He's just kind of going through the motions. And I mean, you you said that maybe it was a communication error on the break between uh, him and Werner. It was just a terrible pass. He just didn't play it right. And I mean, he has to do better. He he tried he tried to wait too long. He waited too long, and it just it, it didn't work out. And I mean, I mean, I don't like saying anything. I, obviously, he probably still isn't a hundred percent fit. He's obviously probably his injury is still affecting him. But I mean, he it's just he's not. There's better options there, and I think I think I like him. But I mean, if he plays like that, he just can't be starting and he can't be playing there. And next, about Havertz, I don't like how everyone's saying that. Oh, it was a terrible deal because not only 
what, what is he still adjusting? It's obviously his first game. He has he's he hasn't really played. It, he's playing on the right wing, which he sometimes plays, but he's obviously better in the midfield, uh, like where Loftus-Cheek was playing, where he's kind of playing as like a center forward, Cam right behind Werner, kind of like a second striker behind him. And I think, like you said, you just have to be you just have to be patient and wait for him to adjust. And then as a whole, we didn't play as well as we should have, in my opinion. But I mean. It's kind of like what Frank said. It's that this squad has only been together for like four days. It's like we still have, we're going to get better as the season goes on. We're still everyone's still new to each other. Kind of the, all the play styles are kind of no one really understands where people are making runs, where they like the ball, what kind of passes they make, et cetera, et cetera. It's, everyone just has to adjust to each other and adjust to the league itself. And I think we'll be fine. But overall, I liked what I saw out of pretty much everyone. Except for Kepa. Yeah, so going off of what you were saying with Kepa, obviously he let in that goal from Leandro Trussard. And it was, it was, Trussard was, you know, just out of the box. And Kepa was kind of on the right side, which is where he should be. And the, the ball went completely to the left side of the goal. And Kepa just completely uh, mistimed it and dove late. I don't know if someone was screening in front of him, Chelsea player or player on Brighton that, that, you know, he kind of lost where the ball was. But the ball barely went off the ground, and it was down on the ground by the time it got to the goal. And, you know, this was this is a routine save that, that Kepa needs to make, especially with the money that he's getting. It kind of bounced right in front of Kepa right before it went in, um, and it was in the air for a little bit there. But, yeah, again, not that high uh, of a shot by Trossard. And that's a, that's a routine save. That's not a, you know... I, I feel like I'm not making any, you know, bold statement here. I, I'm not a goalkeeper, right? So I, I can't be talking, but it, it's also, I think, a routine save that Kepa need, needs to make as a goalkeeper that's getting this much money. I think that I wouldn't exactly say it's a routine save. Um, it was definitely something that he should have saved, but I think it would have been like a save that you expect from, you know, a $80 million pound player um that he should be making i don't think it's a routine save for you know your average backup goalkeeper but i think it's a save that he has to be making um you know if he wants to be in this team so i was disappointed went right under his arm uh you know not looking good there and overall defensively i actually liked what i saw especially from reese james on the right hand side i thought he was playing well defensively um zuma looked really good christensen looked pretty decent and obviously Marcus Alonso kind of did what he always does, which is uh, go up the left-hand side and, you know, create us opportunities. But I-, I liked what I saw there. Yeah, you pretty much, I-, I agree with you, Alex. It's not a routine save per se, but it's a save that you would expect him to make. Like he should be saving that. He shouldn't let that in. And I just want to say something about Brighton. Uh, one of Brighton's players, obviously, Derek Lamptey, we sold him. That looks bad because he played really, really, really yep. well. And I mean, I feel like we might come to regret selling him, especially because he he looked he looked really good. And I mean, we could use that. I mean, he is a right back, which obviously isn't the best because we have Reese James. But I mean, he still looked really promising and he looked really good. So I think I would have rather kept him, obviously. Um. I guess let's move into the goals now. Um, the penalty, that was a good play by Werner, obviously, Jorginho putting it away. 
not much to talk about there besides Werner's awareness there. But let's talk about the second goal. Um, right after Brighton score from that mistake, you can say from Keppa, 70 seconds later, Reese James hits a thunderbolt from at least 10 yards outside the box, right into the top corner. Goalkeeper had no chance. What do you think? Is that the best goal he's ever going to score? Honestly, no. Because I've seen, you can see, you can see that there was progression leading up to that. Every once in a while during a game, he'd hit a shot from pretty far out. And you could see how how perfect his strikes were, how well he was striking the ball, how how clean it was. And so eventually he's going to score one, and he did there. And eventually he's going to score another one, which might even be better. And I mean, I, I, I think he'll score another because, I mean, that was a great strike. And he's had very other great strikes that have come just a tiny, 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 tiny uh, bit uh, away from from hitting even probably even a better goal. So I think eventually he's going to hit one of those, and it's going to be even better than that one was. But oh my god, that was such a banger! That was amazing. And first goal in the Premier League for James. So hopefully he'll get more up there, and obviously has a great leg and a great shot for someone who's a right back. Yeah, definitely. And it was kind of a defender goal fest per se. Um, if you really count this goal as one, but Kurt Zuma getting on the score sheet um, from a corner deflection goal that went past Matt Ryan, the Brighton goalkeeper. So Kurt Zuma, you know, not, I guess, the same kind of strike as Reese James there, but still getting on the score sheet. And it's good to see him getting involved as, you know, kind of the presumption of him being the partner of Tiago Silva, who we saw today, actually, when we're recording this on Chelsea Twitter uh, training at Cobham uh, in some photos. So what do you think about that goal? And what do you think about uh, Kurt Zuma, you know, possibly starting alongside him? I mean, obviously Zuma's probably our best center back, but I mean, just think about the goal. Just like, no, that was a terrible goal. I, I don't, <laughs> I just, I just like, I just hate saying, oh yeah, well, Zuma scored because he really didn't. It was a terrible shot. No, there was no chance it was going in if if it wasn't deflected. So yes, he was on the score sheet, but does it really count? No. But then again, he did play well getting into that position, and I mean, getting a shot off that's still good. But I mean, and I think he's gonna be a really good uh, kind of a really good partner to Diego Silva. But I mean, just don't. The goal, no, bad, bad goal. They do say they all count, so I guess it's okay. Um, so I guess that's kind of our recap for the Brighton game. Um, Josh, do you have anything else to say before we move on? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, no, I just wanted to say, uh, someone who we were or uh, a month ago, right? I think Dunk was a player, Lewis Dunk, that we were kind of rumored to sign a little bit. Am I wrong with that? Yeah, um, you know, he signed a new contract with Brighton, I believe, a five-year deal. So obviously that's not going to happen anymore. But it was interesting seeing him, who could have been a, a signing for Chelsea. Obviously kind of the rumors stopped around when Thiago Silva signed. And I'm actually happy that Thiago Silva was the one who was chosen. Um, you know, not as young as Dunk, but I believe that he's obviously a better defender at the moment, in my opinion. And I think, you know, he's just there to help the other defenders. And I think he's going to be a good addition there. Plus, we got him on a free instead of paying $30, 40000000 million. 
Um, so I really like what we did there. So Lewis Dunk, a player that Chelsea was kind of rumored to about a month ago to sign maybe, had that cross when it was 2-1 and just missed it with his head. So that was only one thing I wanted to add there. Sorry, Alex. Um, could have been a player that we signed. Obviously, we didn't. But yeah, it was a perfect cross. I don't know who who put it in the box. But yeah, right at the edge of the box there on the left side was Dunk. And, and he just couldn't capitalize. And that would have been close. That would have been that would have been a close, and that would have been a two-two game. And to be honest, Chelsea looked very tired. Like not just Ruben Lasse-Cheek, which both of you guys kind of mentioned earlier. The team just kind of just didn't look uh, like they were ready to play. Um, and Brighton kind of looked like the better team in this game. Obviously, they had more shots. And I think if it wasn't for that penalty, um, that it, it definitely could have been a different game. Yeah, the most important thing is we got the three points and it's time to move on to Liverpool. Um, Now we have an interview with Dan Thomas. Um, So we'll go to that now. And he's from ESPN FC. So now let's go to our interview with Dan Thomas. We are back now with a very special guest, Dan Thomas. He's the host of ESPN FC, which airs seven days a week on ESPN+. And make sure to go follow him on Twitter at DanThomasESPN. Dan, how's it going today? Very well, boys. How are you? Thank you very much for having me on. We're doing well. We're very excited to have you on. So let's get right into it. And Josh is going to ask you a little bit about yourself. So I'll start off by uh, asking how you got the job working with ESPN and ESPN FC. Oh my goodness. Do you want the, the long story? How long is this podcast? <laughs> How far are we taking it back? Go ahead. It, go into it. it. <laughs> it's great. It's what, it's what I've always wanted to do. Like for, for, since I was born, I swear I came out with this desire to be the center of attention on TV. And I just kind of always tried to pursue it. So when I was younger, I worked at the BBC in England. Um, I did work experience there, like an internship there when I was 15. And and just kind of kept knocking on doors. And fortunately, they gave me a job when I was younger. I used to read out the soccer results on the radio. And then I went to university and I studied journalism. And then I got a job on local TV after that. And then I was lucky enough to get chosen to launch Real Madrid TV uh, in Spain in 2005. So I was 25. I went to Spain. I was doing the play-by-play on all of the first team matches. You know, you had Ronaldo, Figo, Roberto Carlos, David Beckham, and Michael Owen. You had all the, all the big stars. All the big stars were there. And I was there for five years. And it was great. It was, it, was, it was a bit like a dream. It was fantastic. I was at the Bernabeu every day. It was, it was awesome. And then ESPN got in contact and said, do you want to move to Connecticut? And I said, no, not really. And then we like, looked at it. And the thing with a club channel, it can only go so far. Um, obviously, you have to toe the party line a little bit. And what ESPN were offering was the chance to maybe be a little bit more subjective on things. And uh, they brought me over and that was 2010. It'll be 10 years, um, October the 1st that I've been here. And boys, it's, it's such a fun job to do. You know, I, I wake up every day, I go in and we just chat about soccer um, with some people who've now turned into uh, real friends of mine. So you moved, I'm assuming, from the UK and Spain um, to the United States. So what's the difference there? Um, obviously, we've been here all our lives, but you know, it's different <laughs> for a newcomer. 
Well, obviously, so the big difference for me was going from England to Spain because no one I didn't speak Spanish. Yeah. So that was a really, that was a massive hurdle to overcome. So then moving from actually from Spain to America was great because everyone spoke English again. So I didn't really have to acclimatize too much in that sense. Um, people ask me a lot, actually, what the big difference is. Um, I, politically, people are more driven here, I feel. I feel that it's much more polarizing. You're either in one camp or the other. Um, that's very striking. Plus, of course, your food portions are ridiculously large. <laughs> you learn early never to ask for anything big. If you go into the cinema or doing anything like that, a small portion is, is more than enough. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen this, but um, a show that's recently come out here, uh, you know, Ted Lasso. I'm not sure if you've heard of the show. Uh, I've, I've heard of it. It's on Apple, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but it's got good reviews, actually. Yeah, so it's about someone, a fo- uh, an American football coach, moving from, you know, the United States to the UK to coach a Premier League team. It's a very good show, actually. It's kind of like the opposite of what you did. But uh... I'll, have to ch- I'll have to check it out, because obviously they used him quite a bit for um, NBC's promotions when they first got the Premier League. I remember, th- I remember that. Um, but no, from what, from what people are telling me, they, they keep telling me to watch it, so I'll have to do that at some stage. Yeah, um, my next question for you is, I know you were actually mentioning this yesterday on the show. Um, so you obviously work with a lot of ex-footballers. Uh, you know, you have Craig, Shaq on the show, um, Stevie. Like, do you ever feel like the odd man out there? Do you kind of feel like, you know, you fit in? Because obviously not an ex-pro yourself. Um, you know, how is it being, you know, in that kind of situation? I'm very conscious of it, actually. It was, it's interesting. When I first started at Real Madrid, I do a similar show. And my boss at the time said, nobody cares about your opinion. And he was 100% right to tell me that because basically I'm there to steer the ship. I'll stir the pot. I'll play devil's advocate at times. But when you're tuning in, you want to hear what the ex-pros have to say because they're the ones who have experienced these highs and lows and can talk about things on the pitch. And I think as a, as a viewer, that's m- much more engaging than just people kind of, pontificating and giving their opinions who have never really played the game. So I think that is something I'm very conscious of. Fortunately, you know, uh, we get on very well off screen as well. And I think that's important. I think that actually carries through to what you see during the show that we have a really good rapport with each other. Uh, So in that sense, I'm very conscious of making sure that I get their opinions ahead of mine. And if I'm giving my opinion, normally it's just to stir the pot, to be honest. So I want to get your thoughts on, obviously, the Premier League starting this past weekend, uh, still without fans, but that could definitely uh, come back soon. And we saw some fans at the Brighton Friendly, so I want to get your opinion on that too. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because you think when the Bundesliga started, when it came back and there were no fans and you just had the sound and you could hear everything, what the players were saying, the kick of the ball, it was like, no, this is a bit rubbish. And then they introduced the the kind of the fake sound and you thought this is going to be terrible and it actually worked it was good and now when you watch a game because of the way that it's kind of all filmed and because of the angles that they take I think it is sometimes quite easy to forget that there isn't actually a crowd there obviously when the fans come back it's going to make it much more interesting and much more engaging for a viewer and much more of a of an occasion but I don't think it has been as bad as maybe we first thought it was going to be um, so now moving on to the more recent game for Chelsea against Brighton, um, we obviously saw a couple of the new signings make their Premier League debuts. 
Um, so what were your thoughts on them and the overall team performance for Chelsea? Yeah, I thought Chelsea were disappointing. I think there was a, a lot of excitement going into the tie and I think it emphasised uh, the challenge that Frank Lampard will have uh, this season because last campaign, obviously, he was given a pass given that there was no transfer window. It was his first year, club legend, blah, blah, blah. So that's all in his favour. And he's still playing with house money because obviously they did really well to finish where they did. But now it's a case of, right, you've been financially back and heavily during the summer. Can you get all of these different pieces to fit? And we saw clearly it didn't. And I know it's only one game with Brighton. Kai Havertz shouldn't be playing where he was. He should be playing uh, behind Timo Werner. I think that would change when you've got Pulisic and you've got Hamshik coming in as well. I think that will certainly change things. Obviously, it highlighted once again uh, how you need it, uh, how you need a, a new goalkeeper. Mendy is going to come in, isn't he? I think from France. Uh, I think he comes straight into the team. You just bench Kepa because he clearly is not up to what Chelsea thought when they paid this world record fee for him. Uh, he's been really disappointing. So I think it was. If I'm a Chelsea fan, I'd be disappointed. I'd be yeah, I would be disappointed. You're Chelsea fans, aren't you guys? Like, how did you feel? I mean, overall, it was disappointing, right? You know, we kind of were expecting a lot. Um, Ziyech obviously wasn't playing. Thiago Silva didn't play yet. Uh, ben Chilwell. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it was kind of not all the pieces were there together. Um, it was kind of, dis- you know, disappointing to see Havertz not playing in his, you know, best position. Timo Werner obviously had a pretty bright game with winning the penalty and stuff like that. Um, you could see what potential he has making runs behind the defense. So, Reese James. Uh, yeah, Reese James. Oh, what a, what a goal that was. <laughs> yeah. That was just filthy. He hit that so hard and sweet. That's his first Premier League goal. Yeah, so I was happy about that. Defensively, we looked better, so I was happy about that too. So I wasn't exactly disappointed. Uh, it was kind of sad again to see that Keppa is, you know, kind of now almost officially out, but yeah. Yeah. But besides that, it was okay. I was just kind of didn't have big expectations for Kai Havertz already, um, especially since he wasn't playing his natural position. Yeah, I think I think that's what you got to be aware of. I know he got a lot of uh, criticism afterwards, but you know he wasn't playing the right place. He's clearly not fit. He hasn't trained with the team that much, so I think you can give him a pass. And as you say, like right, look, it's three points. We just take the three points and then move on to uh, it's Liverpool this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, on Sunday, I believe. Woof, whoa, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice one. <laughs> but to be fair, they didn't do so great against Leeds uh, this past weekend, so. No, obviously. that was a bonkers game, wasn't it? That was yeah. crazy. Like, Leeds obviously came out and Van Dyke made the mistake. And there was certainly, a, so yeah, it's definitely a vulnerability about Liverpool this season. Uh, but again, you know, Liverpool don't play well and they still get the win. Yeah. And Leeds showed up really well. Obviously, they haven't been promoted in, what, almost a decade or it's been over a decade at this point? I know, I know. Imagine being promoted and then playing that sort of style of football at Anfield. You're like, this is, like, from a neutral, this is what you want to see, you know. You want to see a West Brom or Fulham sitting deep and trying to catch teams on the break. They were pushing high. They were, they were engaged. They were energetic. You know, Jack Harrison's goal was superb. And that's kind of what you want to see in the Premier League. You know, this is, it showcases itself as the best league in the world. And sometimes you have these teams coming up and it's just all about survival. But Leeds, and certainly under Bielsa, they've taken it to a completely different place. And God, as a fan, you love it. So going back to Kepa, even though he isn't my most favorite Chelsea player to talk about, <laughs> how did Andy come in 
Do you think it's going to be like a toss up between them or or you I nope. mean I you kind nope. of mentioned No, so Mendy not. comes That's right it. back in. Mendy Mendy goes straight in like he could land in the morning and Frank would have him starting in the afternoon. There's no like Clampard clearly doesn't like Kepper. Clearly doesn't trust him, doesn't like the way he plays, doesn't like his attitude. He he is complete I, I was actually surprised that he started ahead of Willy Caballero and almost maybe you kind of think, well, was he doing that just to show the board? Hey, look, he's made another mistake, this guy. This is why I need 20 million to get Mendy in. And that kind of tactic worked, obviously. Uh, but but where do you, how do you get rid of Kepa? You know, he's on incredible wages. No one's going to pay any money for him. If they've seen him play in the last 12 months, that's going to be a tricky situation for, for Chelsea going forward. But in the short term, yeah, you get Mendy and get him in between the sticks and then, and then away you go. So you don't see anyone wanting Kepa on loan, no club taking him? Um, I don't know. Who would take him? It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> like, look, you look at it, and like, they're going to have to, if they get him on loan, then I imagine they're going to have to pay X amount of his wages. I don't yeah. think any club's going to do that. Like, you could say, well, he didn't go back to Spain, but, you know, Spain do get the Premier League. They were seeing what he's done over the last 12 months and see how, how his stock has fallen so dramatically. Um, I think that's going to be... It's going to be tough for Chelsea to try and sort out that Kepa situation. And historically, Chelsea obviously do not like losing large amounts of money on their players. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do to kind of hopefully increase his value so uh, we don't sell him for an extreme loss. Um, Unless they're Fernando Torres, of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so now let's move on to like some general Premier League transfer rumors. Recently, the news has been Gareth Bale to Tottenham. Um, I know. I saw that today. It's nuts. And I, I don't know what Spurs are doing. It just seems <laughs> ridiculous. You're getting a player who hasn't really played for two years. And I understand the romance of him coming back and saving the day, but he's clearly got injury issues. He's going to cost you a lot of money. Even if it's on loan, you're going to have to pay some of his wages. And I think this is a really bad, really bad idea from Spurs because I just don't see the positives from it at all. If you've got money, then, then you've got to try and get You've got to increase the quality of squad. I get that. But surely there are better players out there that you could get as opposed to Gareth Bale. Yeah, I definitely agree. I I, I don't know. You know, he's he's golfing now. I don't really know what he's, <laughs> he's going to bring for them. But I guess Jose Mourinho sees something there. But I guess we'll have to see what Well, happens. Mourinho wanted him. I remember when Mourinho was at Manchester United and we showed a clip of him uh, saying, you never answer your phone to Bale. Because he wanted him at United then, so clearly he he he's a fan of him. And God, you know, top-notch Gareth Bale could walk into any team in the world, pretty much. But he hasn't shown that sort of quality for a long, long time, and it's a big gamble from Spurs and an expensive gamble at that for a team that looked terrible against Everton and just seemed to lack any sort of idea or cohesion. And I'm not quite sure that Gareth Bale is going to come in and fix everything. So going back to Chelsea with Fakad Samori now, obviously uh, Mendy and him could kind of do a swap. Do you see that happening or do you see Tamori kind of going on loan at another club? Uh, that's a good I, I don't really know. I don't know how that's going to work out. Basically, I suppose overall it's all about just fixing the situation that Chelsea have got at the moment. It may be on loan. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that would play out. So you mentioned the game um, with Everton and Tottenham. Do you see Everton maybe making a top six push? They looked very good on the weekend. And, you know, their midfield is definitely something to look look at. Yeah, so you've got to think, right, top six. So we got 
City, Liverpool, you've got your boys. So they're kind of three. Then Manchester United, Arsenal. And then I think you've, you've kind of got that sixth spot, haven't you? Spurs, as I mentioned, I don't really trust at the moment. Wolves look fine, but how dependable are they? We saw them fall away a little bit at the end of last season. And then you could definitely have Everton in that conversation because they were superb. Alan, clearly, you know, anyone who's seen him play for Napoli knows how good he is. Uh, Decore was good as well in the centre. James has a little bit of spark. Your only concern would be kind of in that final third. Richarlison, I always feel, needs three or four chances to get one goal. Calvert-Lewin is okay, but is he good enough to, to push you uh, into that top six? I think it's, it's obviously good for the Premier League because it's an interesting team to watch and an interesting team to develop as well. Um, overall, would they make top six? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Definitely. I would feel... I'd feel very optimistic if I'm an Everton fan after that first game, but obviously it's just the first game. But the fact it was against a proper team as well in Spurs and they outplayed them so much, you kind of think, yeah, there's, there's a good argument they'd say that Everton will finish in a, in a European spot this year. So with Chelsea almost spending, what, what is it, uh, 300 million this summer? Wow. Who, <laughs> what players do you kind of see? Because they, you know, they have to get rid of this somehow. What players do you kind of see uh, leaving Chelsea soon? I don't know. It's it, it's tricky, isn't it? Like there's all the Kante rumors that were doing the rounds that he was going to go to Italy. But you kind of think, if you're Chelsea, do you really want to let Angolo Kante go? Given the the defensive frailties that you had last year, you need someone to sit in front of that back four. Jorginho, I don't think is is good enough to to do that role. Kovacic as well, obviously, can kind of fit in there. Tammy Abraham's future very much up in the air. What a great start to the season he had last year, but you're behind. Timo Werner, who is going to start, you know, every big game. So what do you do? You know, what do you do if you're Tammy Abraham? Do you think, right, do I just sit and wait and take my chances when they come? Or do I look look at a move elsewhere? And obviously we've discussed Kepa and it's going to be uh, tricky to get rid of him. I thought that um, Hudson-Odoi was terrible as well on uh, on Monday. I thought he read a really bad game. Um, you kind of hope that he can get back to the sort of player he was before he got injured. And he's obviously very young and there was so much excitement. I loved watching him play. And he's one of those players that kind of get you on the edge of your seat. But he has been nowhere near that since he's come back from injury. So how will Chelsea deal with that? This man, of course, who was linked to a move to Bayern Munich just a couple of years ago. Um, so some players I could see, I, I don't get the Conte rumors. I don't think that's going to be happening. I think Chelsea would be out of their minds. Um, mm. doing that they have no one else at that position um, who could even replace him so we'd have to bring someone else in um, so I don't think that is you know a good idea Marcus Alonso um, I could see him on his way out um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek I can see him on his way out I think you might have mentioned him earlier um, mm. I, it didn't look so fit on Monday either um, who else? I'm thinking uh, Jorginho definitely could be on his way out. There was rumors about Juventus. So do you see... Takes those... a good penalty, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring him on the penalties. He seems to be copying that uh, Bruno Fernandez style of penalty where he does a little hop. Um, hey, it's good, that. though, isn't it? I was talking to, yeah. I was talking to Frank and Craig about it. I was like, they, they, and I was like, that's really difficult to do because I would just fall over. <laughs> you know, obviously, you're waiting for the goalkeeper to move. Uh, it's it's a real skill. Uh, it takes a lot of confidence to do it. Uh, Joseph Martinez does it here as well, and doesn't he? In, in MLS, you know, it's that. But if you can pull it off, it's great. But you kind of think, yeah, what does Jorginho add to the team? It's kind of 
uh, it's tough if you're a Chelsea fan, but you need coverage. You need people to cover that back four. That's the thing. As much as you got all this attacking talent, you need people at the back to kind of help you defensively. And we saw how frail you were last year. Um, that penalty style kind of reminds me of Eden Hazard's penalty style. It's just a bit more exaggerated because he often yeah. waits for the, um, yes. yeah, for them to move. So I always thought that was interesting. He's a bit heavier now. I'm not sure if he could do quite do this skip. <laughs> yeah. Do you see Mason Mount having a starting role on the Chelsea squad, or he kind of just is a player? No, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know where you'd put him. I don't know where how he would fit in um, overall. You know, Zayesh, Pulisic, Havertz. You know, they're all better players than Mason Mount, I think. And overall, I don't know. Oh, you know, Carabao Cup, yes, FA Cup, those sort of matches. I can see Mason Mount starting, but overall. Uh, I don't. What, what What do you think? Because obviously, you know, as as Chelsea supporters, where do you rate Mason Mount? Does he Does he get in your starting eleven week in week out? For me, when you're looking at the midfield, you've got Ziyech on the right, you got Pulisic on the left, you got Werner up top, and then you've got Havertz and Conte um, as definite starters there in the midfield. That third spot, I think you need Mateo Kovacic to be a bit of a balance because Mason Mount obviously is. Uh, goes forward a lot more than he defends, whereas I think uh, Mateo Kovacic could do that role alongside Conte. So I think that's the problem, but maybe if we're playing against lesser opposition, um, Mason Mount could definitely be one of that third midfielder there. Yeah, and you're going to have a lot of games, a lot of games this season. So in in that kind of place, they'll definitely t- there's definitely room for him in the squad for minutes, but your best 11, I don't think includes Mason Mount. Yeah, and we were talking about this on the podcast about maybe uh, loaning out Mason yeah. Mount. <laughs> we, it, it, we have very different opinions, Alex and I, on the topic, and uh, our other co-host, Peter, too. We're, uh, Peter and I both have him kind of staying on the squad because we want him – like, and he can even put on a loan to another Premier League team, but he's not being with the players that he would be with at Chelsea even if he had a bench or kind of rotational role uh, on the squad. Yeah, who wants to loan him out? Is that you, Adam? No, it's not that I want to loan him Don't out. Don't backtrack now. <laughs> it's not that. It's just like I, I, I wouldn't say that. I just kind of said it as an idea, and I feel like I now I'm attached to the idea now. <laughs> so. <laughs> You're really not. Don't be a lawyer when you grow up. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna stay away from that profession. (laughs) Uh, Of course, you keep him around. You know, as we said, there's going to be enough games for him to play. Yeah. Um, Pulisic is is injury prone. Zayesh as well. So you need backup. Yeah, I wouldn't send him on loan. That's a silly idea. Yeah. Um. One (laughs) last thing. Uh. There's been a lot of things about Jaden Sancho. Um. To Man United, that deal they've been asking for 120 million. Um, men yep. not wanting to pay it. Um, so what do you think? How is that situation going to end with the end of the window nearing? Well, a friend of the show, Yanar Fjortov, will tell us that $120 million, if Manchester United come through the door and say, yep, we're going to pay that, then Jane Sancho will be a United player before we close the transfer window. But at the moment, United haven't bid anything. So it's all, it's all speculation at the moment. I think Dorman would let him go for the right price. He wants to go to United but he won't go on strike, for example, if the move doesn't happen. So overall, it's in, in United's court. You know, it's, it's their decision and they're the ones who can make this happen or not. And at the moment, they've been really stagnant on it. So now we have to ask this for you. Uh, if you had to predict the, the top six uh, places in the Premier League, who would it be? 
So I think I did this on the show last week, and I don't remember what I did. I think I went, I think I went Liverpool, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, United, Spurs. Interesting. Okay. So you have Everton missing out. I think you mentioned that earlier. Yeah, yeah. I made that prediction before the first week, and I think I'll stick with it for the moment because, you know, I don't think you can change your opinion too much on what you've seen one 90-minute spell. But, uh, yeah, I think Everton and Spurs could be the ones that I, I could definitely switch out of that. Um, I think Spurs are going to have a miserable season. And now three teams to get relegated. <laughs> Oh my goodness, I gave that prediction as well. And I definitely won't say the same three teams as I did then because I can't remember what I said. Um, um, Fulham obviously looked terrible. Um, who were the other team that looked terrible as well? Um, who else came up? West, West Brom. Brom. Yes. Yeah, Fulham, West Brom, they looked awful. Ugh. Um, yeah, and then who, who else? Who, well, it's going to be a third team. Leeds, you think, will have enough uh, just about to stay up. West Ham will sack David Moyes at some stage, so he'll be gone and then they'll get enough points to kind of sort themselves out Burnley and Sean Dyche fine Aston Villa um, Aston Villa yeah could be an what do they what do they do at the weekend did they no they didn't play did they uh, they just signed Jack Grealish though so I suppose that's a good thing for them uh, Brighton didn't look very good I'll say Brighton mm, okay uh, I, I don't remember. <laughs> you can ask me in 10 minutes and I will give you a completely different team again. <laughs> I don't remember who I had. We did this predictions to a couple, a few days ago. <laughs> I don't remember who we had either. Um, so Dan Thomas is the host of ESPN FC and is on Twitter at Dan Thomas ESPN. Thank you so much for coming on today. So that was the main part of our interview with Dan Thomas where we talked about Chelsea and the Premier League and some transfer news. Um, so now we, afterwards, we had a, you know, more general conversation about a whole bunch of things. Um, so if you're interested in listening, you can keep going, but I just wanted to take a quick pausing point. And, uh, so I'll just remind us, cause we won't have an outro at the end after this, um, to go follow us on Twitter at Talking Blues Pod. And on behalf of Peter, Josh, and I, thank you for listening to today's episode and we will see you next time. That's all right, boys. And you're Giants fans, yeah? Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are. We also run, um, you know, an American football podcast too. So okay, so I have some Giants. Play- so I love, I love playing NFL fantasy because I have no, no team here, but it means that I can root for teams when I'm watching. I, I would be that really annoying person that just talks about fantasy all the time without actually having any hook or any sort of um, stake in a team. But I've got some Giants players, so you've got to tell me if these, they're good or not. Right, ready? Yeah, Let me see I'm fine. I've got Engram. So he's good, but he could he could get injured. But you continue. Uh, that's <laughs> and Shep and Shepard. Yeah, Shepard. He's he's okay. You know the Giants. Oh, boy, you're not you're not selling this very well. Much. So you the thing, the the Giants <laughs> fantasy options they're all they all get injured. So Ingram is very known to injuries, and Sterling Shepard he gets a lot of concussions. So we're very right. like non optimistic with taking Giants uh, players. But you know what? You could definitely see something from an Evan Ingram. I don't know if you watched the Monday game for the Giants. I did watch the Monday game. Yes. There you go. He dropped, he dropped one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Drop one right in the end zone. That would have given you points. That's I know right. that'd give me lots of points. <laughs> Blooming heck. Um, now, so as I'm intrigued, like as fans, 
of the Giants. Do you, does that kind of, I know that I've spoken to people who've stopped playing fantasy because they found themselves rooting for teams that they didn't like, or it was kind of getting too much for them. Like, where do you stand given your loyalty to the Giants in that sense? I'm intrigued. Um, well, I know Josh has this thing that he doesn't pick any Giants players um, in right. fantasy. Because, on purpose. On purpose. Because I feel like it's bad luck. That's, why. <laughs> That's fair enough. My eldest son is a big City fan, and he won't pick any United fan, any United players in his uh, in his uh, fantasy team. Yeah. So Josh and I are in a league. We I don't think I have any Giants players either. But you know, if you're playing, uh, you know, you, one of your players is playing against the Giants, and you you know you root for the Giants first. But then if they're gonna lose, then you're like, okay, come right. on, fantasy team, let's get some points. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. That's that. Yeah. That's good to know. And what's going to happen to the Giants this season? They're going to make the playoffs. No. No. <laughs> no. No. Right. Good. Good. Well, what about Ingram? Could lead them to the playoffs. Wait, Ten may- touchdowns a game. Maybe. I. I don't know. We'll have to see. Maybe we have some connections with him. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if you have connections, tell him to catch the bloody ball. <laughs> Stan, Thomas, Stan Thomas is rooting for you to catch the ball, Ingram. Come on. <laughs> Yes, come on. That should be your inspiration. I'll send you a video. <laughs> How many fantasy t- uh, leagues do you just play in one fantasy league with, like, family or friends? Uh, so the um, NFL Fantasy League, I just play with um, people from work. And then my soccer fantasy team, I just have so many different leagues with different people with different things at stake. Um, like there's, there's quite big leagues that we're, all in, that we're involved in. Uh, so that's that, that's that's interesting as well. Although picking that, do you do fantasy and soccer as well? Because picking a team this year was really yeah. tricky, with United and City not being involved uh, for the opening week, and I had a shocker. I captain a Bamiyang, put in Manning instead of Salah. Oh, <laughs> God. I had Salah, but I didn't captain him, and I had a Bamiyang, but I made him captain. So Alex, you oh, had all right. how many points did you get? You got like sixty points. I got sixty-six points. Oh my. <laughs> 60, that's all right, man. How many did I get? Wait, let me check. 38. Oh, oh wait, it's just gone up to 39. Why you just give me an extra point? That's funny. <laughs> it always so, moves around. It's weird how they count it. It always, like, the, the scores are always moving around. Always yeah, so the around. top, so there's, well, I don't know how many's in, in this league. A lot of people are in this league, but we're in the um, ESPN one. And 95 points got the top of the week uh, on Saturday, or on the opening week. That's a lot, isn't it? The neck. Yeah, that's a lot. Oh my God. Well, I, I'm going to have to ask, is anyone on the show in your fantasy football league, though, that we should know? Uh, uh, in the soccer league, um, Jules is in it. Uh, Craig did it a couple of years, then he got bored. <laughs> and Steve, he wouldn't be able to open the app. He wouldn't be able to work it. <laughs> uh, but Jules does a podcast, a fantasy podcast, so he's well into it. There you go. Oh. So is is Craig? Because watching the show, is he the same off air that he is on? Yes, <laughs> yes. People are like, oh, is it an act? No, he's grumpy and mad and angry about the smallest things. Unless you put him on a golf course, and then he's like the happiest man in the world. It's incredible <laughs> transformation. It really is. It's like can't get the Superman. But the thing is, he's brilliant. You know, he's great at what he does. And so when he, you know, he's annoying sometimes. You just kind of think, well, yeah, but he's he's Craig, and he wouldn't be as good as he, if he was like happy and smiley all the time. Uh, but yeah, Craig's been with us what seven seven years now. Uh, but you know, he's a nice guy. He's he is he's great company. He's got some great stories. 
Um, but yeah, if he's in a bad mood or bad day, you know, just stay well out of the way. Yeah, so I started watching you guys when you guys were on the couch, the round couch. Yes, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you and he'd have... moan about the couch. Then <laughs> he that couch for no reason. I don't know why he hated the couch. I, just I gets always... into his head. <laughs> I always loved that because everyone was kind of close to each other and everyone would be like getting all yes. contentious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It was quite fun on that couch. We've had a, some big arguments on that. I don't even know. It should be in like some sort of broadcasting hall of fame. It's, uh, there's a soccer hall of fame, isn't there? There must be somewhere around in this world. You just <laughs> stick the couch in there like, for memorabilia's sake. Uh, <laughs> I remember we had Hugh Jackman on the couch. That was a very ra- I don't even know why he was on the show. He was like promoting some movie he was doing. And they're like, you used to like soccer, come on this soccer show. And he goes to Stevie, like, you used to play soccer. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. So I used to play for Liverpool. And he went, you. <laughs> it was a very funny, you know, very funny, surreal moment. It was great. Yeah, I, I, I got to. So you guys are recording. I, do you guys record the show in advance or is it live? Uh, so we do it um, in uh, in advance now. We okay. used to do it live quite a lot. So when we were on like ESPN2 or ESPN News, it used to be live because it used to be like at five straight after all the all the games kicked off. But the problem was we were just getting moved around all the time. If there was a game running late, if there was a baseball, little league, you know, all those things. And it, so they went, right, we just put it on Plus and then you can find it find it there and it's, and it's going to be easier. So we record it uh, about four, normally after the match, it's four or five o'clock. And then they have to put it all together. And then it, and it streams at uh, at nine o'clock, plus the stuff on on YouTube as well. Okay. And and then extra time, do you guys? You I know you take like questions from Twitter and stuff. Do you? How do you decide that? No, I'm, I'm not invited. Which is funny because like loads of people reach out to me and say, "Why don't you ever ask one question?" Why I have nothing to do with picking the questions. Interesting. So it's, it's, it's whoever's producing the day will we'll, um, get the questions, and then um, yeah, about extra time is the best part because we just mess around. It's great, and but the YouTube comments are fantastic because people are like. <laughs> I can't believe they're not answering this, taking this seriously, or I can't believe they're asking this question. It's like, what's your question? <laughs> it's made it up. <laughs> uh, but it's, no, but it's, uh, it's good. And it's incredible. Like, I put out the tweet, and uh, within 10 minutes, you've got 200 questions. It's nuts. It's really crazy, but it's, it's good. People like it, and obviously, I think it's quite unique in that there aren't many other places that you can do that every day and just kind of ask people this, that, and the other. And we get such, like, you get Messi or Ronaldo questions, and then you get, why does Stevie love shepherd's pie so much questions? You know, it's so <laughs> funny. But I think that's what people like because it's kind of, it's raw and it's kind of genuine. Yeah. Um, just some questions in like more general and how you got into the, like the business. So how like do you do it? Cause obviously I stopped playing soccer a couple years ago. How do you get yeah. into it? Like if you wanted to do something like what you're it, doing, like it's difficult like it's really you, you need a lot of luck and I don't think there's kind yeah. of everyone who gets into the industry gets into it in different ways but what I tell to tell people is just like try and get experience in what it, so you're doing the podcast and that's great because that's going to improve your broadcasting voice I remember I used to do something called hospital radio which is when uh well, it's what it says on the box basically so I would have my own show in a hospital broadcast these poor patients they got me they got you sick enough and you got me in your ears but that was great experience to try and improve my broadcasting voice 
And from then, man, you just have to write to everybody, email everyone, call everybody and say, look, I'll come in, I'll make the tea, I'll do whatever I can. And then it's just trying to get a run on that ladder and, and trying to get, get up. And once you're in these places, talk to everyone, be nice to everyone, do anything that anybody asks you to. And I know this is, this is it was interesting because I saw Benetti put out a tweet um, talking about how to get forward in this industry. And it is difficult because you're like, well, yeah, but you're in a privileged position if you've got the opportunity to go and do an internship somewhere or do something unpaid or go and just hang around in a newsroom until someone gets bored of you and gives you a microphone and tells you to go out and do this report. And I understand it's not something that everybody can do, but if you're in that, if you have that opportunity, that's the way that you can do it. No one is going to call you up and say, look, we want you to come and present a TV show. You have to be proactive. You have to go out there. And the good thing about this country is you've got a lot of these, a lot of local news stations and it's just a case of going there all the, all the time and just, and just knocking on the door until basically they say, look, right. Okay. Yes. Go and do this report. And it's getting them the show reel together, putting that together and then posting that out. And as I say, trying to snowball and trying to get more and more stuff under your belt and more experiences but it's so nepotistic this industry is incredible it's all about who you know it really is so how do you go about knowing the people that you need to know it's by going to these newsrooms and going to places like this and doing work experience and kind of kicking on from there you have a like a favorite memory from the show a, you know like a player you talk oh, oh that's a great question um <laughs> Like, a, like, like with the Champions League finals are always brilliant because they're, they're such great, great trips. Um, I don't know if I have like a favourite, a favourite moment from the show. Oh, man. There isn't anything particularly that, that, that stands out. They're all average. That's it. <laughs> That's what we do. Um, uh, some of the arguments, the arguments I've had with Stevie and with Craig over the years have just been so much fun. Like you just, like you can't believe you're getting paid for this. Just shouting at each other and, and, and passionately. And then it's funny, the camera clicks off and you're like, right, so we're going to go for a beer now. And it's, it's brilliant. That's a, that's a really nice thing about it. I really like the rapport with everybody. I think that's what overall makes it very special is that, that we all, we are like cliche, I know, but we are all like a big family. So, Jan came on to the show more recently, right? Like I Yes, yeah, yeah. So Jan came on uh, during the lockdown, actually, because we've got Bundesliga rights, so it starts yeah. on Friday. Bayern Munich and Schalke uh, is our opening game. Um, and we wanted somebody who, good contact with the Bundesliga, and Jan ticks all the boxes, because obviously he played in the Premier League, played in the Bundesliga, and now he's a journalist. So it's perfect. He's got his fingers in so many pies. You know what's going on, this, that, and the other. And he's just got, he's got a great character, great presence about him for TV. Um, I think he's an excellent addition. Yeah, I, I really enjoy him on the show now. Um, you know, yeah. I, I kind of miss the old, like, uh, I don't know, you know, now that you guys moved on to ESPN Plus, I wasn't able to, you know, get it right away um, when you guys moved. So I, I recently got it again. Then we started watching you again. And I was like, oh, yeah, I need to, you know, reach out to him. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's good. And, then, and it's difficult. I know there's so many different streaming platforms and all that sort of stuff. And people are asking for money. Peacock now, obviously, coming in and doing yeah. similar stuff and putting some of the games there. Um, I know it's tricky. And, God, I never preach to someone, you know, you have to go, you have to do this, that, and the other, because everybody's, everybody's finances are different. I think 
the good thing about plus is that though there is a lot of stuff on there you know all the 30s and and all the ufc stuff and all that sort of thing so i think overall i don't think it's too bad value for money but i'm not going to tell you sit here and say it's a rip-off either to be fair am i so there you go yeah um if josh you go (laughs) no i just wanted to say uh that i have to say i feel like soccer or football is getting bigger and bigger in america i think it really is and i think it's growing and that's why you know peacock is starting starting up here so everyone can watch the premier league games and obviously you guys as well um on on the espn plus so people can subscribe and be able to get all the you know premier league content soccer Mm. content that they want yeah i think i think the accessibility to soccer is certainly um, developed over the years from uh, well, like when I came to 2010, you know, you could you could watch it all. But speaking to people like Max Bretos, people would tell me like you have no idea how difficult it was to watch soccer. Like even 20 years ago, like it was, it was so different. You know, it would be this or illegal streaming that, and it would just be near impossible. So I think that's great. I think you know, you, if you want to watch a game now, pretty much anywhere in the world, you can watch it live on one market or another here. And, and that's got to be great for the sport. I think it's always interesting though. And I've uh, like, there's this obsession that soccer has to be big in America. Like, you know, it's, we, we want it to be huge. We want it to be as popular as the others. And I don't think, well, look, it is what it is. People going to like soccer or they're going to like NFL like, or they're going to like hockey or they're going to like baseball. And I think it's fine. You know, I, I don't think there's a necessarily a need to be ramming it down. People's ready. You've got to love soccer. Look, it's amazing. But definitely, the younger demographic, the younger um, audience are engaging more and more with soccer than they are other sports. It's funny, actually, because Josh was one, you know, a few (coughs) years ago was one of those people. And I was like, kind of, so I've known him for quite a few years now. But now, uh, in the beginning, when I first met him, I was always talking to him like you gotta watch you know soccer you know you gotta watch you gotta watch so I finally got him into it I was like you know what I need to groom him into a Chelsea fan because I was a Chelsea fan so now a few years later now he starts watching it so uh and why Chelsea where did your allegiance to Chelsea come from so interesting story I mean not I'll I'll, I'll judge that (laughs) (laughs) um so for my birthday I have family um that lives in Turkey and they sent me a jersey I guess that I, they knew I liked soccer but they didn't know what team I supported so they sent right. me funny enough a Fernando Torres jersey <laughs> oh cool that they bought it like some because there was like a corner soccer shop that they had right around the corner from their house right. or whatever so they sent yeah. that to me for their birthday I was like oh I don't support Chelsea and I was like you know and I didn't even know like I never I mostly at that point just watched you know like Barcelona Real Madrid um sure. just watch Ronaldo and Messi and then at that point, I didn't really even know. I was younger at that point, probably like nine, something like that. And it was, you know, I started watching them. I was like, oh, and then I can watch the Champions League final. Uh, and they saw them. And I. And then I, in the beginning, I was kind of a bandwagon, of course, when you're nine. But, yes. uh, <laughs> but you know, then after that, we didn't do so well for a couple of years. But then, um, you know, now I'm a full diehard Chelsea Yeah. Player. And then you just bullied Josh into it, basically. Yes, I, yes, I, I, I kind of started. Did. It started out with a FIFA career mode, right, with Diego uh, yeah. Costa on Eden Hazard, yes. of course. And that yeah. that was like when I was nine or ten. And then I remember the year later, that's when Alex was like, "You got to start watching them." And obviously, that was towards the end of the Hazard's career with Chelsea. 
uh, and then Costa as well as, as he's gone now, but um, yeah, that, that's what really got me into it was actually FIFA surprisingly. And then Alex pushing me to start watching them. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people have got into different teams with a FIFA. Like speaking to, speaking to lots of people, they're like, well, I really like this player. That's why, you know, I got into this. Or I really like this team. And uh, FIFA's definitely got a lot to, um, a lot to answer for with regards to growing the crowd here. I played. What did I play FIFA with? Drake. Me and Drake played FIFA. I had no idea who Drake was. Uh, this was a few years ago when he was doing um, uh, the FIFA promos. And he came into ESPN and I played him and he was terrible. Whoa. <laughs> we, we can't go past this right now. Are you telling me you played FIFA with, with Drake himself? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played, I played FIFA. There's a picture of him I've got somewhere. Um, but I didn't really know who he was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sure he didn't know who I was either. To be fair. Well, <laughs> did you remember the score of this FIFA game? Oh yeah, I won easily. It was like it was like three or four nil. There you go. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. So now and you I can played, say. I played. Yeah, I played FIFA with Ray. I also played FIFA with Alex Morgan, who was terrible at it. <laughs> We're uh, going celebrity, she, celebrity right now. I know. Yeah, who I played with FIFA. There you are, Alex Morgan and Drake. Oh, and now, some, now you can and say some streamer guy, some Twitcher guy. What was his name? Spyro Castro, something like that. Hmm. Is that ringing any bells? Yeah. No idea. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but he was very good. Yeah, he beat me easily. <laughs> but I mean, at least you can say you beat like the highest recording artist in sales. You know, four yes. nil in a FIFA game. Definitely, yeah. Fine, take that. Put that on my <laughs> my gravestone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just one final thing, because obviously we can't keep you here forever. But um, so is it weird um, being in the U.S.? Because I assume ESPN FC, it's mostly to a U.S. In audience. general. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, is it weird? Call it like, do you, I don't notice this, but, you know, from living in America, you just automatically call it soccer, right? Because there's football mm-hmm. here. And I yeah. was, and it's weird because my dad, he's an immigrant from Turkey. So he calls it football. Um, right. And then he called American football, American football. So he says that. So it's always weird. But do you ever find it weird that you ever have to say soccer and stuff? Because I assume you do. No, you get over it really quickly. People get all hung up about soccer. Soccer. (laughs) People, you know, my mates still go, it's football. It's it's soccer. What does it matter? Shut up. You know, it's a nappy or a diaper. You know, it's what it is. Um, So it's kind of. It's fine. Like you get you get used to it pretty quickly. It's fine. I, it's one of those things I really don't get why people get so stressed about about soccer or football. You know, it's, it is what it is. Welcome to the All Eighties Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason, and this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. 
It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.